Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hello, Susan. How are you doing this evening? I am doing fine. How are you doing? 
Oh, I'm doing fine as well. Yeah, really having a beautiful day with the Comfrey Conference. I'm in the fear and meeting the presenters yesterday and today. It's been beautiful. Yes, 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 yes. Hang on just one second. Okay. Hey, Candace, I want to see the pictures. <laughs> and my friend Candace is here visiting from the West Coast. And today I posted a picture of myself in my comfy shirt for day one yeah. of the comfy count in my daffodils. And then the yeah. Shazandra is blooming today. And Candace and I posed for pictures in the Shasandra for day two of the Comfrey Conference. And, yes, just flick through. Oh, okay. look at all that green and the tower. Wow, don't we look. Oh, my gosh. Oh, we look fantastic. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's really nice. Those are wonderful. Oh, I love that one a lot. Oh, I think we should use that. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I would say any one of the last three. What do you think? Would you send them to me? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Oh, they're so beautiful. Thank you, love. You're welcome. I'll do that as soon as I get Yeah. Gosh, David, uh, David Hoffman is always just so stunning, isn't he? He is. Oh, my goodness. Oh, what a treasure. Wow. Yeah. Holy and he just, he doesn't mince words either. Basically, what I heard him say, and you tell me if I'm wrong, is that anybody who thinks that Comfrey is poisonous or dangerous has been buying a line of bullshit. Yeah, he basically said just that. I think he used those I words. I even <laughs> used those very words. I'm not, like, using the word bullshit. I'm repeating what I heard him say. Yeah. That, that, mm-hmm. that there is... No proven danger from comfrey. And certainly the way that I'm hearing people use it and work with it as I'm listening to the presenters and listening to the shorts at the comfrey conference, I am not finding people who have taken this opportunity to tell us they've been hurt by comfrey. Mm, right, I I haven't. Oh, I heard. didn't I, like make a big deal saying to people, please come and tell us if you've been hurt by comfrey. But obviously, there's the opening to do that. If I'm saying submit your video on your, on your relationship to comfrey, hey, I'm leaving it open for people to say that terrible comfrey it killed my da 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 and made me da 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 da. But nobody has. Yeah. Yeah, I've learned a lot of things that I didn't know that it's more magical than I ever imagined. Rico's presentation yesterday and just amazing, like that the heat, even whatever of the PAs that are there to start with, once they've been heated, so much is dissipated, but it's even more negligible than it was the beginning. So, and to hear that he actually um, utilizes the true comfrey for himself and, and prefers that. It was so interesting the way he talked about that. So, yeah, and everyone that, listening. That's partly because he uses the root. He prefers to use the root to, to using the leaf. And he dries it because pyrolizodines dissipate through drying, through time, through heat. So he dries the root and then tinctures that. And what did he say? He said that he gave someone eight 
ounces of comfrey tincture a week for mm, six weeks. Mm. Mm. And that they, it's a person who was in a um, major car accident, and many, many bones in his body were broken. And <clears throat> I heard a statistic, a comparison that I'm hearing a lot, which is healing three times faster. Wow. Amazing. It totally is. All right. So if you haven't already gone to wisewomanschool.com and registered for the country conference, this is your last chance. Midnight East Coast time, so a few hours from now, free ends. You still can register. What's going to cost you $89? So do it now while it's still free. You don't even have to come to any of it now because it's all going to be there. And once you're registered, you can have access whenever you want to have access. And whether you get it free or whether you have to pay for it, you'll still have that unlimited access. I could not have even imagined how absolutely overjoyed I am to be participating in this country conference and feeling the the joy of comfrey and the people who love her. Oh, I feel it too. It's a blessing indeed. Yeah. Really, really is. Okay, Susan. Where did you put it? Ah, here it is. So that's what Sarah, Ellen, and I have been doing all day. It's true. I've also been outside a little. I planted, you may recall, I planted a hundred daffodils with very good smells last fall, and I think they're all blooming, and many of them have two stalks. It's just this field of daffodils, and every single one of them has a different smell. So we did spend some time today with our noses in the daffodils. Remember, I said that my day one of the country conference was me in the daffodils yesterday. We spent time Mm -hmm. with our noses in the daffodils, but only after we had smelled the chisandra, which is a fainter scent than the daffodils. And uh, do you have time for anything else besides Comfrey Conference today? Oh, well, of course, I had to go visit out in the barn and take care of things there and um, had time to go eat some flowers outside and make a little decoration for my hair for one of the presentations. So oh, you so really, you really said so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it felt good to just get outside and take a deep breath and um, appreciate everything that was going on and get grounded before the next session. So, yeah, just nourish myself in between and then got back for the next session and then go do some goat milking tonight. Yeah, go, isn't it wonderful how your days become the movement between milking in the morning and milking at night? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, healing rhythm it really is 
and yeah, being out there alone in the barn, especially at night, feels really special. So I went out there later last night than usual because um, the live session got finished later than normally when I would go out there, and it was nice to be out there that late. I got to peek in on what all the barn cats are doing. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, they score a lot more than I give them credit for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wait, what's fascinating to me is that we asked the presenters if they would please do a 30-minute Zoom session. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them has done an hour plus. Yes. So gracious. So gracious. And all have said they'd go as long as there were questions. And even tonight, um, David Hoffman said, you know, he we chatted before, so he knew we were coming into blog talk. So he was um, so gracious and taking questions right up to the last minute because we had talked about it. Okay, it's 10 after. We're going to really have to wrap it up. And he was willing to go all the way. So he's they're all so amazing, and you can tell how important comfrey is to all of them. And I hope everyone listening just takes a few minutes tonight to register because if you ever intend on working with comfrey in any way, I can assure you there are many things that you're going to want to hear um, probably several times in these presentations. So please take some time to register for free tonight while it's free, 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 wisewomanschool.com. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. We have a guest we have a guest tonight here at Blog Talk and Papayoti, a international life leadership and relationship coach dedicated to waking people up to living their best life by helping them untangle from their past, align with their values and connect to their greatest purpose and captivates, educates, and inspires, and she'll be here at 9 o'clock East Coast time to do that. So stick with us, or come on back at 9 o'clock to hear what's going on with Anne Papayoti and her book, The Gift of Shift. Reminds me of a sticker a past apprentice sent me. She actually had a bunch of them made. And it says, Shift Happens. Oh, love that. Love that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do we have any questions tonight? Uh, yes, we do. We have four hands that are raised. And I'll remind everyone listening if you have a question this evening, for number one, and that will get your hand raised in the queue. And right now we will go to our first caller who has dialed in from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hi. I've been listening to the Comfrey Conference all day. What have you learned? Magnificent. Excuse me? What have you learned? I've learned that any subconscious, uh, barely conscious fears I had uh, are totally irrelevant, and I want some roots. That's <laughs> what I was afraid of, and now that's what I want. <laughs> 
<laughs> I want to wrap myself in a blanket of root and just go to bed in it. <laughs> maybe maybe bury myself in a little bit of a pit first and, you know, not too wet, though, because that's cold, you know, in the nighttime air. But uh, a couple of slabs of rock on top, maybe, to keep the heat in, you know, from there the you nice sun, yeah. Yeah. So I have a question about the formality of the program because I tried to sign up and it said, it kept saying, and it still does, that my email uh, can't, uh, be verified, and this is a problem just with my browser because I do use my email for a lot of things. Anyway, um, oh dear, night, we are right out of my expertise. Well, however, I got into the program in. and listened to all these things. I can't do the Zoom, but I'm just I'm just worried. Like, oh no. If if it does end for me, the, if I'm just on like a free trial and at midnight I, I am no, no it's not a free eligible. trial. It's not a free trial. It's free. Oh. Once you're registered, it's free forever. So you, you think that the fact that I'm watching it means I am registered even though I'm not getting a very good You could not watch it unless you're registered. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, I'm just not doing the email thing. And I apologize because I know that's important to you to get these emails because. Yeah, it's not a problem. Well, but really, you're important. Not a problem at and you want to keep track of that you have access to this information well, and that so you feel supported in making your own decision. I can't thank you enough. This is the first conference, herbal conference I have ever been able to attend. And I'm doing it from the comfort of my couch with my comfrey sab and tea. (laughs) And uh, eight months into this, I'm still trying to heal. And now I realize I'm just not using enough. I I mean, I'm really splintered up here. And um, I had some malnourishment problems. Malabsorption, I'm sorry, problems. Uh, And I think I've been correcting them, and that was all with the gut, and that's how we got going, you and I, when I found out. Right, and it sounds like comfrey is the the everything for you, right? After listening to the... How it heals the gut, and you're saying you're splintered up. Eagle Song actually tried out this an old folklore thing that says if you boil pieces of meat with the comfrey roots, they'll be knit together. Yeah, but that's not true. I don't. Do you know it's not true? She actually tried um, it, and she's not going to tell us until she's on her Zoom whether or not it worked. Well, I can't do the Zoom, so I'll have to call back and find out what the results <laughs> we'll have to call were. back next week, and we'll find but, out what Eagle Song out about Consolita. I, so what else I'm doing with this uh, horrible situation, um, and I say horrible because it's actually um, 
I don't know, if you could spell horrible backwards, what would that be? That's what it is. It's everything in my life is backwards and upside down now, and I've had to learn everything that way. And it's kind of funny, the more I let myself believe in that, the more freedom I have to make these changes that are very profound. And um, sometimes less is more, but sometimes it really does take more, more, more. And I listened to your presenter in the morning with the root, Bigfoot, is that his name? Bigfoot? Peter Bigfoot, yes. Yes, Uh, yeah. And when I saw how how he did that, and and, uh, I I said, that's what I need. (laughs) That's what I want. So um, the, the neighbor's chickens took my comfrey patch, which was just a year old, not even a year old. It was just planted in the spring and they got it in the fall, and uh, I, I never got a chance to put it anything back because um, I've just been uh, tearing apart ligaments, and uh, I tore uh, uh, two summers ago uh, the cartilage from the sternum on the rib cage right off. Ouch! How'd you do that? I fell off my porch, a, a bed board, and it, it sprung me up backwards like a diving board. I went flying through the air. It was actually quite oh, funny. Oh my goodness! Yeah. A good thing I landed in the um, in the garden section, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, but that was a good. You know, one of the things that I kind of wanted to do for the comfort conference, but that I haven't, is to kind of go over where I would be now and how, what bad shape I would be in if I hadn't had comfrey to help heal all the times when I've broken myself. Well, you are in amazing shape, and, and seeing all the videos of you just touches my heart so dearly to see you so well, so vibrant. And uh, may I give you a... Very strong compliment. Yes, and it's a compliment for Comfrey as well because I'm saying that it's oh I really praise Comfrey a lot for helping me be strong and flexible and vibrant. I'm ready for your compliment. You have the most beautiful skin. It's so pliable and juicy looking and uh, you know, subtle, su- subtle. Is that the word? Humphrey. Subtle. Humphrey. You're, but, but of yes, all exactly. Things, Strong. You're flexible. You yes. have the most beautiful hands I have ever seen. Ever, ever, ever. Your hands are just drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> Working hands are always so fascinating. I've only ever seen your hands like working with the veins popping and the dirt under the fingernails. Right. I was I really appreciating seen... Peter's hands in that way today, too, as, as we were oh. watching him like get in the soil and digging oh, yeah. that root out. It was like, yeah, you know, you feel like, ah, oh. oh, 
I'm a human. I have a thumb. That was some beautiful dirt he got to dig out of there. Uh, Wasn't it? I, I really appreciated that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was really good dirt. So um, you have beautiful hands, and I'm a piano player, and Ooh. I have very short kind of fingers, but because of playing the piano, they, they got kind of elongated, but I stopped playing because of my back. And for a long time, I relied on St. John's wart, which I have to say, for the wrists and the spinal cord, that the hypericum really does its job in those two areas. But I've never tried the comfrey. And I am so excited. I So um, I'll get some root. I don't have anything to play with uh, growing at my house, but is there a local nursery I can just go buy some with? The last time I bought it was at like a farmer's market in town, but that was just like a hit or miss kind of a deal or it could have been the library fair, I don't know, something silly like that. I was going to say, say silly, the, but yeah, the, the library fairs, church sales, those are the kind of places to pick up a country it route. Is kind of place. It, is it a really kind of place. is because it's so easy to propagate. Really, I all think you it need, might be. I was told that all you needed was a piece of root the size of I your know. thumbnail. Peter was saying it has to be the size of your finger. I, I'm so shocked that the chickens, I thought they were just eating the tops of the leaves, but somehow oh, the they whole dug root, up the roots and ate those, yeah. Everything disappeared. And I wondered, did those chickens live or die? You know, because I always thought, oh, the root, it's going to kill them. But I kept hearing those chickens, and it didn't seem like they were dead to me. It didn't seem like they were dying, uh-huh, and they're not. <laughs> right, but I was yelling across the fence at the neighbor, like, you know, keep the chickens over there, please, you know, just because. Just they were starting to dig up everything, everything all over my property. They were coming right up to my front door. So They, I, would, I didn't, they would have come in your front door if you'd let them. Oh, let me tell you my animal stories if I can give you a few more minutes. I had um, a baby squirrel in the house for days and days and days. And I finally got the baby squirrel out, and that probably happened at the same time when the baby bird came in, and I got that out quick enough and left and came home and spent a few days trying to get this little baby squirrel out, but we kind of made friends. And then um, I finally got to sit outside last weekend, and um, it was a Sunday, and the cherry tree was in full blossom, and all these all these uh, butterflies were all over the cherry tree, these butterflies I had never seen before. It was like a butterfly tree. And they were very dark, but with a reddish tint. And uh, maybe they had a little blue to it, uh, you know, because later I looked it up. It looked like they had like a white lace curtain around the edges, like a, like a lace, like with the eyelets in it, like almost, but not really, but like kind of like that, very fertility. And I, and I thought, is it a fertility or is it a butterfly? 
And indeed, it was a butterfly, and it's, and it's called the morning cloak. Morning, like as in going to a funeral. Oh, dear, because they're so dark. Yes, with the white edges, like almost like the brim of a of, of a hat or something, or mm-hmm. a skirt or, you know, your clothes. And And I thought, I've never seen these in my life, and it was just full of them, and I thought, this is what happens when you lay still for a couple of years and don't mess around outside with the leaves. You're not walking, you're not doing, you're not going, you're not doing anything. And I thought, I wonder if this is what happened, that it might have taken them that long to hatch without being disturbed. But I'm so looking forward to the lightning bugs. Do you think any day now or... Not till June, right? Uh, usually a little bit later, yeah. Yeah. So um, just one thing about the, um, I can't, I don't think I can buy from the store, but um, the, the only comfrey I found, and I, I asked if there was root in it because it didn't say, and they said they usually do both root and leaf. And I thought, well, that's a heck of an answer, but okay, usually, whatever. Uh, but it's got some beeswax in it, which is great kind of if you want it to just stick to you and you can kind of go about your business and it's not going to melt all over or whatever and you don't have to wear, you know, a big bandage or whatever. But does it does it really get into you with the beeswax? Does it really, like, soak into your, very deep into your skin or your soft tissues that way? Peter today was talking about his comfrey ointment that he makes, and he uses beeswax. Oh. He doesn't use a lot of beeswax. He makes a pretty soft ointment. But, you know, one of the things I was hoping for was for people to see, oh, 20 or 30 different ways of making comfrey ointment. Because there really are, and the great thing is they all work. I really like Letitia out there in the woods coming out of her bus. <laughs> Making that over that fire. fire, that was just so yeah. great. And singing that song. I want to I wanna memorize that song. That I gotta beautiful hear a, a song, wow. Times. Oh, what a great song. And uh, the way she kept rubbing it into her hands. And I noticed her hands were beautiful. Yes. And then I saw your hands, and I said, wait a second. Susan's like 75 years old? Get out of here. Get out of town. I, I just think you should be a hand model. I don't know what that means, but uh, <laughs> I will always, just when you're talking, use your hands because it will come across somehow in your being the most beautiful, elegant hands such fine, fine hands, Susan. And I, and I, want to, I want to very much thank a woman who came up to me. I was teaching at a Quaker um, living space. I think she was a Quaker. She came up to me after the talk and she said, do you realize how much tension there is in your hands? You? And just, you know, that little tip helped me. You know, every time I would just say, how are my hands? Are my hands tense or are my hands relaxed? And so 
Hmm. When you're saying this, what I'm hearing is, ah, good. Your paying attention has paid off. Paid off? You you need a million-dollar contract for those hands. I don't. I don't know. Call L'Oreal or somebody. Olay or whatever. Uh, Oil of Olay or whatever they're called. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, Susan, how long ago was that? I'm just curious. That was about thirty years ago. Okay. Well, in all the years, all the videos I've ever seen you in, and I've only met you in person a handful of times briefly uh, around a group of people, so it wasn't like I could really, like, look at your hands, you know. <laughs> you, your hands just, they're so exciting that as a piano player, that is enough to sell me, and I couldn't do a comfrey short, but that is my comfrey short that I do believe that I'm going to play the piano again because of comfort, and that is my goal. Oh, hurrah! I am so with you. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And as soon as I can get the route, I'll, I'll, I'll get my, my foot going again so I can drive. Yeah. And come down and see you. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't get the route right away, use the leaf. It's all yes, so I have a dried leaf, but I want to get the fresh plant. Yeah, and it was I had to laugh yesterday when Ricka was saying that when he worked for Herb Farm, they had a healing ointment that was mostly comfrey with some other herbs in it. And then when the whole like yeah. comfrey scare came along, they took the comfrey out of the ointment, and he really? looked he looked at us and he said, "Now it doesn't work at all." And it was just you know, like. Such a validation of what we're all sharing about comfrey and its incredible ability to heal. I just want to say one thing about my injury. It's a very angry, hot injury. It's what they say is the most rare of injuries. It's so bizarre. (laughs) You can't even imagine. Anyway, uh, just it it, it went from black. Comfrey is so cooling. Yeah, I was just going to say that. My foot went from black to purple to now it's beet red. But when I put the comfrey on, the parts that are the most affected, which is the ankle bone from ankle to ankle, you know, the from, you know, inside to outside, I put the comfrey on it and it turns white. It goes from, like, purple, hot, beet, red, like, I'm on fire, to white, like, ah. And it feels like that. It feels like, ah, the the fire's out. And that's the most amazing thing is watching that color change right before my eyes. To see that heat just go, boom, just out the door, boom, like, snap the finger, out done and it feels like it. it's like a cool breeze I can't wait to get the root anyway um, I'm sure you, there's other comfrey callers that would like to talk to you so Susan you're the best and thank you for allowing me to be a participant um, 
in your conference and learning everything I ever wanted to and just so inspired and uh, I can't wait for tomorrow. (laughs) Me too. It's like Christmas. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Good night. All right, and there are three callers with their hands raised. The next caller has dialed in from the 907 area code. From the 907, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. What an uplifting phone call. Yes. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I also had, um, maybe you remember, uh, several years ago, I rolled over my Jeep and I destroyed my sternum. And I would put the comfrey, uh, boil it, and then take it and put it on my chest. And I, I swear by that, that totally helped my sternum. I, you know, I still get twinges now and then, but I, I either put a salve on it or I put a poultice. Yay, I think I'm comfrey. Fine. Yay. Yes, yay, comfrey. I'm going to sign up for it. But what I'm calling about is is really something bizarre. Um, we have a senator. Uh, no, she's not senator yet. She's running for senator. And she came out with the most bizarre statement. She said that marijuana is linked with witchcraft and demonic possession. <laughs> I'm like, wow. wow. From there she went, yeah, like what year are we living yeah. in? And then she, <laughs> then she went into the word um, pharmacon, the Greek word pharmacon, and she said that that means a magic spell. Okay. So I called this radio station because I wanted her opinion on, on on herbalism, but they wouldn't let me speak to her because it wasn't a political question. So she, um, it turns out she's Pentecostal, and I, I find this very dangerous. Um, marijuana is legal. You know, there's dispensaries all over the place, why would she come out with this? You know, when I realized that most of the time I couldn't tell myself why I was doing certain things, I stopped asking why other people were doing things. <laughs> mm. In fact, the wise woman doesn't ask why. Because why is the opening to a story or a belief system. Nothing wrong with having belief systems or stories mm-hmm. unless you somehow confuse them with the truth. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're not true, but that doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're the truth. 
So rather than ask myself why, I ask myself, who would I have to be to act that way or think that way or say that thing? Mm, yeah. That usually leads me to understand that that person has less than I do. They have less love, less less emotional resources, less feeling of strength in their life. So they have a greater need to put up fences. Hmm. And that's okay so long as you don't go trying to climb over their fence. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I just found that I just found the conversation very disturbing. There are a lot of things we can find that are disturbing. Yeah, that's so true. The, and I... But the trick is to acknowledge all of those disturbing things. Stay on the sunny side. All right? Yes. Well, latch on to the positive. Let go of the negative, And choose one of those things that annoys you to work on. Whether it's time or money or just sitting and sending good energy out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, listening to the woman before, I'm going to sign up to that conference. I I just need to uh, detach from this stuff (laughs) instead of getting sucked into it because... That's what I'm doing. Yes, I agree with you. Very much. Yeah. I just need uh, a, um, more positive energy. Uh, There's just too much. It, it's too much. These days, it's, it's just overwhelming. And we want to recognize and acknowledge all that difficult, bad stuff. It's real. It's going on. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't help us or anybody else to dwell on it. Exactly. Exactly. Because I choose one thing. Do what you can about that one thing. Well, that's, that's and, you'll, and you will at least have a sense that you're making some difference because you will have just one thing to track because the whole world is too much for any one of us. Exactly. Yeah. 
Right now I'm looking at my squash seeds. My they're they're sprouting. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just gonna, you know, a friend of mine, um, a surgeon who he retired and he he's traveling lower 48, and he let me. He said, "You can use my greenhouse all you want," and I, you know, I'm gonna really take him up on this. It's wow. really cool now. Yeah, he, he has a huge greenhouse and. He's gone, I don't know, for how many months, and I'm just going to start putting more seeds and growing stuff over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have a person in our community who loves to garden, and he doesn't want to just have, like, you know, six carrots. He wants to, you know, sow two big rows of carrots. He really wants to have a garden. And it's just he and his wife, so... He kind of, you know, made it known among those of us who know how to behave in a garden that we would be welcome to help him out by harvesting things from the garden. And if we wanted to leave him some money for seeds the next year, that would be much appreciated. So there's Bob's big garden filled with all these vegetables that you can go. You have to know how to behave in a garden, but you can go and harvest and leave whatever you want. Hmm. What a wonderful thing for us all, that he loves to garden yeah. and we, we love to harvest. Fantastic idea. I mean, this is a huge, a huge greenhouse. And there's, it's abandoned now. And he let me, he goes, have fun. So maybe I should grow rows of carrots. <laughs> Yep. Oh. Well, Susan, thank you. You gave given me a lot of information today. You are welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right, and uh, we have two callers with their hands raised. I'll remind everyone listening, if you have a question this evening, uh, you'll need to press 1 to let us know and get yourself lined up in the queue. Our next caller is dialed in from the 323 area code. From the 323, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Thank you for taking my call. Yes. Um, I have a question. So I have been um, diagnosed with a parotid tumor, a small uh, benign parotid tumor. They've done, like, the CAT scans and the biopsy and all that. So it is benign. Um but apparently it's the one type of cell, um, I can look it up, it's a very medical term name I wasn't really familiar with, but apparently it's the one, the tumor is com- uh, made up of the one type of cell that has the potential to one day become malignant. Um, and so because of my age, the ENT, the specialist, he recommended that I, you know, go ahead and get it removed. Um he said it's not like pressing, like I need to do it tomorrow because usually it takes a while for it to turn malignant, like years. Um, but I wanted to see, um, I'm not opposed to getting it removed. Um, you know, that's an option that is still on the table. Um, right now, just because of the way things are in my life, I can't really have that type of surgery. 
Um, but I wanted to ask you, would I read about chickweed tincture being an option for benign tumors? Is that something that would be worth exploring, you think? I don't think it would do you any harm, but okay. I'm not sure that you would get the result that you wanted from chickweed. Oh, okay. Is there another? Uh, oh, my my first take on this is a hundred percent of these become malignant? Question mark. No, 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 no. no okay. No. Well, if it's not a hundred percent, then I want to be in the percent that doesn't become malignant. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I'm not even necessarily so interested in getting rid of the tumor as I am in making sure that it doesn't become malignant. Yes. Mm-hmm. That seems to me to be a more achievable goal, and perhaps if I achieve that goal, the tumor will go away. But at the very least, whether it goes away or not, I will have achieved what I want, which is no malignancy and no spread. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think mushrooms are ideally suited for doing that. Okay. Is there a particular type of mushroom that you recommend? The oncologists were, frankly, astonished that despite the fact that I had cancer that originated in a lymph node, that there was not a single cancer cell in any lymph node, even ones touching that lymph node. Oh, wow. So one of the interesting things is that mushrooms seem to have a intensified effect when they're combined. Okay. Plants, plants can do it just fine on their own, and I'm not saying that mushrooms can't do it fine on their own, but if m- mushroom A works times one and mushroom B works times two, then the two of them together work times ten. Okay. So what I used was two things, my community from Paul Stammy, and that's fungi perfecti, and my community is a blend of like 20 or 30 different mushrooms. Okay. He's a fan from the Fantastic Fungi documentary, or am I confusing him with someone else? No, he is the person from the Fantastic Fungi. You're absolutely right. That's who he is. Okay, so the my community And then the other one is a blend of five mushrooms called Five Defenders from a company called Real Mushrooms. Okay. Now, one of the things that Paul has pioneered is the idea of using the mycelium of the mushroom. Mm Mm-hmm. So the plant is the mycelium, and the mushroom is the fruiting body. Yes. 
And Paul says it's a lot easier to grow a lot of mycelium than it is to grow a lot of mushrooms. Okay. So he has pioneered the use of mushroom mycelium as a healing agent. And because he's a scientist, he has actually gotten the Institutes of Health and other places to actually do studies showing Mm -hmm. the anti-cancer and um, anti-mutagenic qualities of the mushroom myceliums. Real mushrooms, now you begin to see why they call themselves that, right? Yeah. Are the actual mushrooms powdered. Okay. Okay. And And that was the five defender? Did I hear that? Five five defenders. Five okay. defenders from a company called Real Mushrooms. Okay. And I was also using that as a powder. Okay. And both of these, I used the powder and I mixed it with something liquid. Sometimes I would mix it with tinctures, sometimes with a little infusion. And okay. then I would usually spread it on a chocolate cookie to eat it. Okay. That sounds fun. <laughs> the, the, five, the Five Defenders is pretty bitter. Okay, okay. <laughs> and um, the my community, it does not take home any five stars for good taste. It's not okay. awful, but it's, yeah, you know. Okay. But you mix it in with something liquid and you put it on a chocolate cookie, you can pretend it's frosting and it kind of like, yeah. Okay. Get you there. you right. So and these are both in now, powder that form. That was my sense of it, and then I also think that um, how did you find this? Was it just casually found, or did you find it because? Yeah, it was. Well, actually, I called a while ago because I thought it was like an ear thing. Um, I found it a long, not a long time ago, like. I would say I remember having a memory of detecting it probably at the beginning of 2020, and I thought it was like a TMJ thing um, because I do grind my teeth at night. And how much bigger has it gotten since then? Um, Not that much. I mean, it's not visible. You can't see it, you know. Um, It is very, like, superficial, um, so you can definitely feel it, Um, but it's, it's that it's classified as small, but I do think it's gotten a little bigger in the past two years. Do you think that visualizing it to be growing smaller would be helpful? Yeah, I need to do that. I do. I need to do that. Um, and it's, since it's we're talking about comfy, I do need to do that. Comfy, I, I would say yeah. try a comfy poultice. Remember that oh, okay. is a discutient, which means that it dissolves the upper layer of the skin. Okay. So it could do, I think, very much better than chickweed tincture. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's a good option. And I do need to do the, the visualizations. Um been recommended by a lot of people, but... I think when it was when I was first getting it diagnosed, um, there was kind of a lot of like stress and anxiety. You know, you automatically hear tumor and you start thinking like you know terrible things. Of course. Um, 
And so I wasn't really in the in the mindset, I think, to be able to do the visualizations. But now that, you know, I know that it's benign, that it's not even really guaranteed that it would turn into something malignant. And I think what the ENT told me is that, like, 10 years or every five years after diagnosis, it goes up 5% the chances of it becoming malignant. So it's not, it's, you know, and he seemed fine with me postponing it like he's like yeah it's not you know the end of it's not something right not a a big deal yeah and Mm -hmm. also it's not like mm five percent of a hundred percent yeah yeah right because i said is it a hundred percent that become malignant you said no so let's say it's only fifty percent that become malignant then it's only five percent of fifty percent exactly yeah yeah, and even most, um, well, even when I was getting, like, the biopsy, the, the, the technician doing the biopsy was like, you know, these are almost always uh, benign, you know, don't, you know, I'm comforting me kind of. So I feel, and I feel internally um, like it, it wouldn't go malignant. I don't know why I have that. Maybe because I'm just, like, kind of still semi-young, so you have that feeling of being invincible, you know, Um but I do want to do my best to protect my health, you know, um, as much as I can. Yeah, and I and I am not sure that having it surgically removed would protect your health. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, and there's, you know, it's always a risk. Apparently, it's close to um, a lot of nerves, so the surgery yeah. has to be, you know, it's not very... Not to even uh, mention the carotid artery and just a lot of yeah. really mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. things. Yeah. <laughs> so since there's no urgency, since everybody is comfortable with it, set yourself a beginning time limit. Yeah. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z for the next, and set yourself a time limit, whatever you think is reasonable, six months, nine months, Mhm. Yeah, and then re yeah revisit it and see where it's at. See if I can physically feel it getting smaller, maybe you know, with the visualizations exactly. and whatnot. Mhm. Exactly. Yeah, definitely get like a course of action. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to do to address this. Right, and get and yourself my set up in that course of action. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a really easy place to pull this. Peter, okay. Peter Bigfoot today. Uh, dug up a comfrey root, and then he, like, took his knife and kind of scraped the black stuff off of the root so that you were down okay. to the white. Then he, like, kind of, like, uh, grated it with his knife just by rubbing the knife up and down. And the slime collected on his knife, and he just stuck it on his body. Oh, wow. Right? So if you have oh, wow. access to fresh comfrey root, it would be super easy to make a poultice. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't and think he, I have it. And then he also now, made but. he also made one by uh, grinding up dried root. Okay. Okay. And de- and rehydrating that with hot water, and that also makes a very sticky mass. Okay, and I would just, just put that directly on it. Yeah, and if you're making infusion and you're drinking comfrey, then you'll have the mass the yeah. leaves from your comfrey infusion, and that can be wrapped in a towel and used as a poultice. How often, I'm sorry if you already spoke on this earlier, but how often Better at all. do you, you can recommend the comfrey infusion? How often do I drink free infusion? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I drink a round of five different infusions. So I drink a okay. infusion once every fifth day or approximately oh, okay. six times per month. Okay, and you're doing the full, like the full mason jar, the large quart mason jar of that? Correct. I weigh out one okay. ounce of herb, put it okay. one ounce of comfrey into my quart mason jar. I put okay. one stalk of Monarda didyma of Swago tea in with it, fill it to the top of the boiling water, put a tight lid on it, and let it steep for four hours or overnight. Okay. And I strain it out. There's a mucilage in comfrey that is more soluble in cold water. So okay. I then take those comfrey leaves without squeezing them and put them in a pan and add two cups of cold water, bring it up cold to water, boil, okay. turn off the heat, put a lid on the pan, let it steep for four or six hours. Anywhere in between that is just okay. fine. And then strain that and squeeze that herb out. Every bit, okay. Right, and that makes wonderful compost. You can add it to your compost pile. You can put it right in your house plants, right in the pots, throw it on the lawn. Right? People say they feed it to their animals. Oh, it's all good. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, I do the infusions, but I haven't. Um, and I love them. I mean, honestly, I think if I could afford it, I would replace water with infusion. <laughs> um, but um, I haven't started the comfrey yet, so I should. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try put that into the rotation. Okay, wonderful. Great, well, that's wonderful. And you know, yeah. I'm just I'm like, gosh, I would think that water it would be more expensive than infusions. Well, no, not, I don't know. Well, because I, ha- I would have to buy the spring water and then the, the bulk herb, you know. So, I don't know. I think or do you live yeah. that the water is so bad that boiling it won't get rid of what's, what's uh, I live in um I live in Hawaii, and there's been, like, a lot of talk about it not being that, that great. But I am going to move to the to the mainland soon. And I think there I'll just be able to boil tap water. Um, but here, because some of it, usually. Um, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I'm I'm very confident about that. But here, it's okay. kind there, of. There you can't do that. Can go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm definitely on board with the infusion, so I'll start the comfrey. Right, right. Yeah, wonderful. I'm glad you're going to be adding comfrey to your mix. Yeah. Now, one of the um, people that I know who's really into comfrey is a man named Seth. And he has only ever used comfrey as an ointment, and he used it for so many interesting and different things as an ointment. And when we were visiting, um, I brought some comfrey infusion with me, and he had some, and he liked it, and I encouraged him to drink comfrey infusion. And what I really like about him is that he has been drinking comfrey infusion, he says, probably as much as a couple of quarts every week um, since last fall. And he then went to his doctor and had his liver looked at oh, yeah, to see if huh? any problem with his liver. And his doctor said, no, his liver was fine. And I thought, what a great thing to do. I'm so glad that he yeah. did Yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad you're sharing that story because I think that's kind of where 
my hesitation was a little bit also, you know, because you, you know, you read things and even though you hear things from a source that you trust more, you still have it kind of in the back of your head, like, Ooh, am I doing the right thing with this? But yeah, I'm definitely going to try it. I can also tell you that, um, they scanned me and looked very seriously at my liver before they operated on me. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. after drinking two quarts, I'm sorry, six quarts of comfrey a month for 30 years. Oh, wow. Okay. And no problems whatsoever. None. Okay. In fact, I endured a 17-hour surgery and then 13 hours wow. of induced coma. So I was actually completely yeah. out for 30 hours, which is a tremendous stress on your liver. Yeah, definitely. They also wow. gave me four units of blood, which is also a stress on your liver. Wow, and you were fine. And my liver came through all of that. Wonderful. And I have healed much faster and much better than I ever thought possible because of Comfrey. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Comfrey is amazing. And Comfrey, if, you, if I were to purchase it... Um, I'm, I would say like, that 90% mm -hmm. of the Comfrey that I drink is purchased from Frontier. Frontier. Okay, yeah. I was going to ask, like, what's the best, the most trusted source to get it from? Okay. Okay. From I Frontier. can only say that's what I've been drinking. Okay. Wonderful. They're very reliable. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Susan. Green blessings to you. Thank you for your time and for everything you do. Um, I really appreciate it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this and hopefully touch base with you and let you know how it goes. All right, wonderful. Thank you. Green blessings. Good Thank night. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, and about 24 minutes before our guest joins us this evening, and we have one caller that has raised their hand by pressing 1. You've dialed in from the 352 area code. From the 352, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. <clears throat> Excuse me, this is Carol. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, so I just want to tell you, um, I have a really good question that I need to talk to you about my shoulders. But six weeks ago, there are two living history museums and um, gardens and things of the sort that are near parks, and they have comfrey growing in little butterfly gardens and things. And I went up there right when the stuff was starting and harvest, you know, grabbed about nine, like you said, like a thumb, thumb-sized piece of root that had a little piece of green shoot, you know, I harvest a bunch of that, and I have a bunch of plants now that are, actually, they're growing too fast, <laughs> that now I'm giving them to my daughters and friends and stuff like this, but those are good places to get um, starts, you know, your roots, as far as knowing where the plant is actually growing. Look for a public planting and grab a piece of fruit. What a great suggestion. That's how I've always gotten my comfrey. I, I don't leave home without it. You get your picture, <laughs> right. your certificates, and you get your comfrey route. Let's roll. Okay. <laughs> so, Susan, I got, and, and I'm only associating what I'm talking to you about to the COVID shot that I got because I haven't had this. I never, I developed the problem after the shots. So if they're not related, I dig it, but I've associated it with it. And and that is both shoulders because I got a shot in each one and they were months apart and they were August and I 
it's it's like bone on bone. I and I'm a swim instructor, the YMCA, um, and a midwife. And I've been debil. I've lost muscle tone, and I've really been debilitated by this amount of. I guess it's arthritis. One of the questions I wanted to ask you was, and, I said, and yes, I am an infused drinker, and I like you drink six to eight quarts of comfrey, and and that's never leave home without it. Understood. I just don't know if I should go for further dog. I only went, I went and got one X-ray about eight weeks ago, and I've been suffering with it since November, and I've been doing all the comfrey. And it's just not getting reduced in pain, and it's debilitating me. I, it's pulling me down so hard, and I just I just don't know whether I mean it's almost theoretically. I mean I know I carry a yoke, but it feels like a yoke of pain, and it starts from my elbow up, goes across my neck, and it, my range of motion is just awful. I can't see <coughs> because I feel there's compression in my on my sides. I can't. I, I one year well, ago I, I, I could spend seventy five. I can't tell you what you should do or. Or even could do, but I could. No, tell I, I'm, my question was. I can tell you what is, I would do if I was in that kind of situation. If my shoulders were really hurting, the first thing I would do is I would start taking Hypericum tincture, St. John's Wort tincture, and I might take as much as a dropper full every half hour for a day or two and see if that helped to relieve the pain. Meanwhile. I would experiment and see if either hot or cold helped to relieve the pain. I'm getting a sense that heat would probably help, but sometimes cold is really what's wanted. So, you know, a hot shower, a cold towel, a wet towel put in the freezer for a little while and then applied, package of frozen peas, things like that. I would also set up an appointment with someone who does massage work. And I ha- I've been to the kinesiologist. Yeah. Right. I've been well, I'm not so sure about practice. kinesiology. Well, just, and massage kinesiology therapy. is not massage. Kinesiology is kind of, you know, like... Um, Understood. Understood. I have understood. I did, yes, massage. And what, really what I'm interested in asking you is the the diagnostic tools, you know, like what's, how can you further die? And is there anything, that, does arthritis ever go away? Or <clears throat> what's the deal with arthritis? Like am I doomed for a shoulder replacement? Or how does arthritis work? Because if that's indeed what it is. Is it? What's the nature of that stuff? Itis means inflammation. Bronchitis, laryngitis, sinusitis, arthritis. Inflammation of the joints. So, does arthritis go away? Yes, it does. Can it get okay. worse? Yes, it can. And what is the difference? The difference is a lot in how you're dealing on a daily basis with inflammation. 
and the things okay. we've been talking about are anti-inflammatory. Yeah. And one of the things we're hearing over and over again at the Comfrey Conference is what an amazing anti-inflammatory Comfrey is to the point that some people are saying maybe that's really how it works. It's all this other stuff doesn't even count. It's just like such incredible anti-inflammatory that that's its real action. Do you do you visualize arthritis as like scar tissue between the joints, so that the comfrey kind of, you know, I mean, I'm I'm I really want my you know understanding the physiology of what so is it's in between the joints. Is it a scar tissue type of thing, or is it what is happening there? It varies from person to person, but I think of arthritis as dryness. Oh, Inflammation man. usually means heat, and heat usually means dryness. And especially when you're talking about bone on bone, what that mean, means is that the fluid that is supposed to be there isn't there. And again, comfrey helps to rebuild those fluids in the joints. Do you think topically as effective, I mean, like just in terms of like the fomentation for the post-infusion part of that, I mean, I hear, and I do. I, I sincerely am d- been doing these things. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm applying it. I, I'm an herbalist. I gotcha. And just like, I mean, I just, uh, I'm like, do I get it? Am I? Mean, I, you know, I don't hit that doctor scene. I got to be sure that we're on the same page as far as I've educated myself before I came to you. So I know that we're talking the same. But I don't know. I have not had. It's just not going. It. I mean, what would be the Okay, so you so you've had pain in both shoulders. You've been taking herbs that relieve pain. You've been doing fermentations and poultices. You've been working on this, and it doesn't seem to be moving at all. Is this what I'm hearing? It does not. Yes, that's exactly what you're hearing. And I mean consistently. Check, check, check. I'm very diligent about my treatments. Yes, massage, and I mean, I've been trying to get it at all angles. I've been holding off calling you because oh, I'm done. Well, I remember when Jujana Budapest, my, you know, dear spiritual teacher, and she had such pain in her hips, and we were offering her this, that, and the other thing, and finally she said, you know what, I really need hip replacements, and she got two hip replacements. Because well, none I of feel that, like, you know, my daughter had a double hip replacement. Really I'm, not, I'm down like you. I just want to know what. So there, you know. I interrupted you. No, no, that's just fine. It's There comes a time, right, and maybe this is the time for you when you say, let me move one step, even if it's a small step, closer to looking at what modern medicine has to offer someone who's I'm thinking like you were saying like, about... I'm assuming you've been using CBD, that you've been, you know, trying out a variety of different things like philopendula and um, willow bark and California poppy and skullcap and... All of the different pain relievers certainly. Was, I was dealing I'm, with. I'm not my, the that, I circulated not, a I lot mean, of them. No, I do, and I hear you. And I circulate, and I'm I'm a harvester. I do have a, quite a nice, 
you know, about 75 plants in here that I've go up and down the coast looking for. And so I've got, you know, I have passionflower. I've got willow, the St. Jones wort, and I've been using that consistently in the in the comfrey together. And I do, you know, it feels like definitely when there's a storm coming, there's a, there's something why I can wake up and I'm like, why do I feel, you know, and usually right before a weather change. But my question to you is like diagnostic tools. Like where, if I were to go to the to a physician, which tool does he has that I want to use to get more information about my condition is what I'm trying to get to. Is that a good way to ask it? I'm, you, you so you want to know like, what diagnostic tests could help you determine whether or not you have rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis. And if the information is actually going to help me change my my modality of treatment, like is the information going to change what I'm doing? That's, you know, because... Are you because going to pain, take drugs? Um, I would not really be down for doing a lot of, maybe some steroids, maybe, but... I mean, if it's if it's bad enough for steroid, is a replacement, and then I have to back up and consider my my options. But man, I mean, this pain is getting me down. I mean, it's not. I really hear you. Really hear you, and that's why these are the questions you need to ask yourself. What am I I willing to? Right, it's pointless to go. Okay, so so there's an MRI test, and then have them say, okay. We want you to take this and look at them and say, I'm not going to take know, any of your drugs. Like, know, why are you know, even there? I know. And I always say no, and I always walk out this, and I have to go find some other kind of weird doctor. But uh, maybe prolotherapy or something. I don't know. Maybe I, should, maybe I should just kind of, like, dig in a little deeper to that kind of stuff, you know, like the sucrose injections. I mean, just because something's got to give, and it's probably my lifestyle. <laughs> you know, I mean... What about your lifestyle do you think is contributing to your arthritis? Well, the dry, uh, the yoke feeling that I get from this is, you know, I got to, I got to, I got to think about it. Am I yoke? You know, what am I? It's kind of you got to go there because just talking to you and thinking about, okay, describe your symptoms, make sure she gets it, and then. And then you'll describe the yoke feeling, and then she'll whip that on you, and you're like, okay, you're right. I've got to give that a think. So, yeah, I mean, uh, but this pain is about to drive me towards a BC or some extra strength stuff. Boy, I tell you what, I mean, when i got to go clean or teach a class, i got to hit something. And I do, and I work the cannabis, be assured. There were times in my journey when I was taking two ibuprofen every two or three hours. Oh, I, I can yeah, that's about where I'm at. About three times a week, I got to suck them down like they're candy. And then I right. get through it, and I'm like, yay me. And I don't, you know, but, yeah, something's going to, I'm going to have spots on my liver, but, you know, I've, I do drink. My liver is before. fine. And I am a, don't, you're not going to have thoughts on your liver. Infusion. liver is okay. Infu- take care of your liver. It's regenerative. And don't it is. take images for yourself like that, okay? 
Uh, okay, all right, right on. And I don't. I, I, I don't, but the pain gets me down. So I'm like, what if? And then I go, mm. weird mm. what if trip. Like, I cleaned a house today, Susan, for this president of this trip, you know, I've been, and I fell asleep for a half an hour. And I was like, okay, get yourself together. Get back to work. <laughs> but I never do that. I was so tired. My shoulders hurt so bad. I just wanted to die. Then I got up and ate some ibuprofen and kept trucking. And I realized it was six hours. Man, Susan, do I get an MRI? You know, what do I do with this nonsense? It's not nonsense. It's it's happening. <laughs> I, an MRI, I don't think it's going to show you anything. Just I know. Simple, I know. Simple what am I going to do with information? I'm not going to. I think they do maybe a blood tests to look for certain enzymes and antigens in your blood. Um, but again, it's really your show and what do you want? And. Um, well, it's encouraging to hear about this. It's not that, so much. It's an itis. It's like bronchitis. That, that feeling of being relieved. yoked, because I think that's a very common feeling. I think that, um, well, I know that I was told by an engineer. He said, if any of us in engineering school designed anything as poorly as the human neck, we'd be thrown out of engineering school. Oh, my gosh. That's a terrible, I mean, that's like, says it all. And it's doesn't it? Doesn't it just? It really does. So you, I you have neck and shoulder pain. Welcome to being an upright human being who has neck and shoulder pain. It seems to be, you know, part of it. And rather than damn yourself, and again, I hear that you're in extreme pain. And, and that, that not like extreme where I am dying, but I am dying. That it's, it's pulling my somewhat from day to day. It's, it's, but yeah, it's I can't. My plug for sure. Right. I have a brother who got a knee replacement and is happy every day of his life that he got his knee replacement. I know, man. I'm I have a very dear up. friend who's in horrible pain and got his knee replaced and constantly says, I wish I'd never done it. Uh, I know, yes, they I begin, know. Don't you remember how much pain you were in? And he says, I wasn't in any pain. Well, believe me, he was in pain. Well, my daughter had a double hip replacement at 21, and she was, oh. I mean, had not walked more than down the driveway and back her adult, her whole life until she was 20. And now she's climbing wow. mountains. I'm like, titanium, let's roll. I mean, I... I but this is only six months, and if it is from those, if indeed it's just, you know, because, I mean, it's never had these problems before. I mean, I'm an avid swimmer, and, I mean, I can't, I cannot do 10 laps right now. And I was doing 75 in an hour a year ago. And not because I've worked on that goal. It's just my pace. I've been keeping it. It's like that practice where I can jump in in a year from now and still do that, even though I might have. It's just what it is. And I can't move that. Ah, so, all right. So I hear you, but let me go back. I think you said something about um, colonic therapy or sugar injections. Please don't involve No, 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 no. It's it's called proliferation. No, no, no. No colonic. No, no, no. It's it's proliferation therapy. It's a legit, you know, they proliferate. All right. 
Yeah. And I had it I had it done to me on my back about twenty two years ago and it did change my situation from horrible to great. Never had a problem again. And so now it's common practice. Speaking of that, is there any stinging nettle nearby where you are? Yes, of course. Yeah, I know where it is. Have you ever stung your shoulders with stinging nettle? Oh my gosh, what a great idea. Yeah. Oh, wow, like bee sting therapy or something. Far out. That's a great idea. Crazy antihistamine response. Yes, it's going to do it. Oh, God, it's good. Thanks for the time. That's a great brainstorm. And it's about to sting your butt right now. It's it's coming out of its childhood right now. That's right. It's ready to start being misstingy. It is. Oh, I just got chills. Brilliant. You know, it's, That's a it's really one of good idea. That I'd love to do if I take people out on walks and we come to a nettle patch. I always look for somebody who has sore shoulders or a sore neck. Like, what, so if, he, can, what if I just stop? We can splash them with the nettle. And then, or, and or they're just like, like oh, take the what, plant what? and lay it along that, lay it along we, your shoulder line. Just like place it yes. in on that U shape. We and take just it and we kind of like slap right them with it, right? That's a great idea. I mean, I can always, and, that's you know, and then and, and they're going, oh, ow, oh, this is terrible, ow, ow, right? I don't say anything. And then, like, 15 minutes later, I turn around to them and I say, how's your neck or how's your shoulder or whatever it was? And they look at me and their mouth falls open and they go, oh, there's no pain. So it's an inflammation. I just got the itis, you know, and you're right. It is joint and it is, it can't hurt going down there and, Getting stung by some nettles, it's not going to hurt me. I mean, at least exactly. you have And, you know, just start looking up all the herbs that are recommended for arthritis. Just decide you have it. That's one of the things I do is, okay, why do I need to go and get any diagnostic tests? I'm not going to play their game anymore. I mean, if it's I'll, arthritis, that's what it is. I mean, and I'll just call it arthritis. I'm looking up for arthritis. What, you know? So the arthritis... Of course, because of the relationship between the tendons and the muscle. Like, my daughter that was massaging my arm, because I'm like, I'm here, I'm dying, you have to rub me. And there's, like, a small little lump right at that damn injection site. site. Not, you know, and I'm down. I mean, I'm down. And I don't, it's in the muscle. And it's right where the pain starts. And I just, you know. And, and that's a good place. I mean, that's a really good place to put hypericum oil. Okay. Okay, I got three quarters of a gallon of it from my last year's harvest in New York. That well, was perfect. Man, then, yeah, as a matter of fact, sometimes it'll even make those limbs go away. Okay, all right. All right, well, thanks for that. Thanks for that. This It was a good talk. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Dream blessings. Good night. Dream blessings. Good night. All right. Uh, I think that is in the queue. We also have one caller with their hand raised. What would you like to do? Well, I'm walking around here looking for what I did with my sheet with the introduction on it. As you know, there were a few guests around here today. How wonderful. So I'm just a wee bit disorganized and goodness only knows 
where I put it. So, is it I there? do have it here. I don't. Do, do you I have do. it? I do have it. Mm-hmm. Well, then would you please introduce Anne, I think it is. Sure. I'll be happy to. Thank All you. Right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I hope I am going to say your name correctly, Anne. Anne Papayoti, Papayoti uh, PCC, is an international life, leadership, and relationship coach. She is dedicated to waking people up to living their best life by helping them untangle from their past, align with their values, and connect to their higher purpose. Anne captivates, educates, and inspires audiences by sharing her personal experiences of loss, transition, and triumph. She connects with clients in person and online through one-on-one and group coaching, speaking engagements, various teaching platforms, blogs, and magazine articles. Anne is known for the personal and compassionate way she leads people to their own insights and growth. Anne has attained the International Coach Federation Accredited Professional Certified Coach Level, is a certified practitioner of neuro-linguistics programming, and is a member of the Association of Integrative Psychology. In her new new book, The Gift of Shift, Discover the Key Within to Unlock Your Best Life, Anne uses many of these experiences to show how one can open that gift lovingly. Instead of freezing up, becoming resistant, or giving in to depression, resignation, or other unhealthy emotions, one can choose a better, more life-affirming, adaptable approach that can lead to new possibility and a better pathway forward. Thank you, Sarah Ellen, and welcome to the show, Anne. Thank you so much, Susan. I am just really thrilled to be with you tonight. I really like the title of your book, The Gift of Shift. And Thank you. One of the things that I have consistently said to people is that sometimes all you have to do is change your story. Yeah. Isn't that true? It is. We can't we we really cannot always be in control or change our circumstances, but we can certainly change our perspective and then change how we experience our lives, right, or change how we experience a specific circumstance in life and and really, truly rewrite the story. I think you did that for yourself. I did. I did more than once. And, and the book, The Gift of Shift, is a collection. It's co-authored with my friend and colleague, Tracy McDonald, and we each shared six um, personal stories. So there's a collection of 12. And we basically shared these personal stories to show and illustrate to the reader how we went from sort of powerless ways of thinking and feeling and therefore being or showing up in our life in in this particular circumstance to shifting into a more powerful um, place to be by just changing our perspective. And we illustrate that to the reader through our story, and then we ask, these coaching questions after each story, five coaching questions so the reader can reflect on how the theme of the story has played out in their life. And then 
they can use those questions to then like an outline to help them rewrite their story in a more powerful way if they choose to. And many times people may be beyond this particular theme in their life. It's something that happened a long time ago, but we forget our successes. So one goal of this is to be reminded of this success or the strength or the character trait in the reader that got them through this common theme of life so that they can use that to help them through a current life challenge and or recognize, you know what, I am still stuck in this story in some way. So how can I, I answer these questions, find a more powerful perspective, and start that shift and, and change uh, how, I'm, how I'm experiencing this and let, what do I need to let go of? And that's ultimately the question that needs to be answered, I find. Yes, and one of the things that I really like about your approach is that problematically on the current scene, it seems that people have somehow gotten the idea that the way to be more powerful is to attack someone else. Mm-hmm. Isn't that But as oh, you yeah. just said, the way to be more powerful is to let go of something. Yes, it is. And, you know, I was listening to uh, your show before I came on, and I believe one of your callers, something that she was listening to, someone, a politician, she found disturbing something they said, and I loved uh, the wisdom you shared with her about, you know, not to ask why. And and I love that. And I, when I'm working with clients, I tell them, you know, when something disturbs you or upsets you, it's rubbing against one of your values. And so the question, rather than to attack that person or judge them or make it about them, is to say, what is this telling me about me? There's a message here about me. It's been brought into my consciousness. So what is it? Which value? And then what can I do about it? And as you were saying, you know, the, there's a lot of overwhelming things out in the world. And there's a lot of things that could disturb us or we could be upset about but rather what can I do now to lift the world? So if it was that someone was unkind, then and that's what upset me, then I know kindness is a true core value for me, then let me go do an act of kindness. And that's how I can lift the world in some small way, but that's the only way is to be light in all this darkness. Would you agree? And not only do I agree, that was so beautifully said. Thank you. Uh, Yes. Thank you. I just loved listening to you and and how you are guiding uh, your callers because you certainly are wise. And I am just, I really feel privileged to be with you tonight because I feel like I'm on this journey of my true awakening and moving into uh, my, my position as a healer in the way that I help people heal. And I do need a mentor. And while I'm not going to be the herbal person, you know, the most I know about herbs is going to be herbal essence, shampoo, and green <laughs> goddess dressing. <laughs> my mom loves her herbal essence shampoo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And all of that. And green's always been my favorite color. But I, I admire what you do, and I've always enjoyed going to someone with your kind of knowledge that I've never met anyone quite as extensively. Um, experienced and wise as you in this realm to help me when there was something because I've always believed in it and I think that's one of the first steps 
in your world is having people believe that they can be helped. It's the same for me to have to believe that they can um, improve their lives despite their circumstances by working on their mindset. Yes. Over and over I have had people tell me, well, you know, Susan, what you expect people to do is to actually take an active interest in their own health, and they just want the easy way out. <laughs> and I say, yes. really? Why are you why are you just assuming that people want the easy way out? It may be that some people do, but maybe they think that's what you want. Mm-hmm. They're just doing that to please you. I say, at least give them a chance. At least tell them you want them to make nourishing herbal infusion. And then if they refuse to, then you could go on from there. That's one right. of the things that really interested me was that you say that one of the stories in your book is about betrayal. And mm-hmm. and not that necessarily even that somebody else betrayed you, but you have the sense that you betrayed yourself somehow. Yes. After I experienced someone else betraying me, and and we've all experienced betrayal, and that's what I mean by common themes in the in the twelve stories in the book. We've all experienced betrayal. We've all had to find courage. We've all had to hold on to hope. We've all had to quiet that inner critical voice in our heads, et cetera, et cetera, right? But in this particular story, what I'm sharing is I did experience betrayal by a best friend, and that you know, turn my world upside down. But that was that was an event. You know, it was a thing. But I, energetically, I allowed it to keep happening over and over and over because of the the replay, rewind, <laughs> press play again, that rumination in my mindset. And it kept me tossing and turning at night. It created constant anxiety. It created stress. It created health issues. And But I was the one now betraying myself i had started what i call the over under behaviors i was over drinking overeating under performing under achieving i stopped showing up for life true to myself and so i started basically just kind of hiding away i stopped being social um just a lot of things i really the betrayal now had turned and I was betraying me until I awakened from that and made the choice to take responsibility for my own outcomes and start moving out and beyond that. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Anne. That's really so important. I've had a relationship with two women who betrayed me simultaneously. Mm. And in a way, it was too much to take, so I decided I had made a mistake in judgment Mm. and that Mm -hmm. I had betrayed Mm -hmm. myself because it was, in a way, it was easier to feel my self-betrayal than it was to feel that these two women closest to me betrayed me. Yes. Such such a difference such a difficult place to be because it it really makes you um, face the part of you that says, um, yeah, well, just stop the world. I'm getting off. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not playing anymore. And, 
That's right. And we always make it about us. You know, what was wrong with me? Was I not a good enough friend? Was I not this? Was I not that? Or what Was I not worthy of their friendship or their love or whatever the circumstance may be? And that's that self-punishment, self-sabotage that just is, you know, detrimental in so many ways and that we have to become the observer, I believe, and not the participant and step back and then say, what would I say to my, my best friend? What would I say to someone who's going through this and how would I help them move forward? And we have to turn that compassion into our towards ourselves and I think we are so reluctant to do that for ourselves but ultimately we have to learn to be our own best friend and we have to step back allow other people to do what they do and learn that anything anyone else says or does is about them it's from their insecurity their fear their need to control to have their jealousy whatever it may be but it wasn't about us. We were just left in the wake of their destruction, the chaos, the consequence from their choice. And while we, it hurts, it's extremely painful. Betrayal is one of the most um, traumatic human experiences because of all the emotion and the, the broken trust. And then we carry it forward into future relationships. Is that we, we just have to, we have to sit with ourselves, recognize it, and then we have to grieve it. We have to grieve the loss. We have to grieve what should have been before we can move forward. And I know for myself, Susan, I never grieved the loss. I just kept punishing myself about the loss. And for a long time, I I want to say close to two years before I finally started doing the things, taking the actions in my life to start helping me get unstuck from that emotion It was still there. I'm going to say I carried this betrayal for a decade. This loss affected choices and decisions moving forward for nearly a decade. It affected my health. I had an ulcer. I had all kinds of stuff. But anyway, uh, eczema, those are the two things that are coming to mind right now. But it was when I lost my firstborn son that put that loss in perspective that it just sort of, you know, fell away finally, once and for all, the whole the whole thing about the betrayal finally just had no impact on me at last. But the betrayal had no impact on you because there had been a bigger loss, a bigger impact. Exactly. Exactly. So I no longer gave energy or space to that first betrayal. And that first betrayal just led to, there was a a sequence of other girlfriend betrayals. I don't know, you know, looking back, I I say I don't know, but I do know. I think I was trying to prove myself worthy. So it just put me in the path of very narcissistic people who, you know, were looking for someone to use. And I was like, had my hand raised. So I just put myself right on that path and I just had, you know, roommate and then another roommate. And then, and then next thing I knew I married a, someone who was very charming and and loving and idolized me in the beginning, which is sort of the the characteristic trait of a narcissistic, uh, abusive person. 
it started there and then they, they build you up just to start cutting you down. And the next thing I knew, I'm just self-punishing again saying, see, you you are exactly what you thought all those years. You know, this is exactly what he's telling you you are, um, unworthy, um, all the humiliating names and all that he would use. But I realized I started taking responsibility for that choice. I realized that I had allowed um, religion. I'm, I'm from Alabama originally, Susan. I grew up in the Bible Belt, and I had allowed, like, fear-based values to keep me in this marriage, but I knew at three months I'd made a, a terrible mistake. And it's like I just started really building myself up from that original betrayal when this happened. But there I was, and I thought for better or worse, I got worse. This is my lot in life. And I had two children in that marriage. The first, my son uh, passed away in infancy. And there was an awakening with that. And as I was saying, it helped me shed the space and energy that I gave the first betrayal. And it started that shift in me about uh, being worthy. You know, at first, of course, there was a lot of self-punishment in that. There was a lot of I didn't want to be here, you know, as you're saying, I didn't the world kept turning and mine stood still, and then I just wanted to find an exit ramp for everything. And um, But eventually I r- realized I needed to create meaning and purpose from his life. And when I did that and I found that opportunity to do that as I share in that story, I, a huge shift happened for me. And I started climbing out of my own personal darkness, and I was ready to live life. And I thought that my husband had changed. He had not. And six months later, I realized that. But it still took about two more years. But in the birth of a second son, and I share that in another story in the book, but that allowed me then, I think I was being prepared, Susan. And I think when you're ready for change and opportunity, and when those two cross paths at the same time, that's when we take action in our lives. And that's what happened. I was being prepared at the loss of my first son. And with the an event that I share with my second son, in that moment, I heard it when I said it, and I told my husband we were done. And um, it wasn't easy, but I did it. And from that day forward, my life has constantly been moving up. I've had lots of more undesirable circumstances. We all always will. There's always another storm but that healing resiliency and that believing in myself, which is, I think, the first trust we have to learn after we've been betrayed is to learn to trust ourselves, has what's carried me through um, and allowing myself to grieve, going back to that, allowing myself to grieve each thing, whatever it is, so that I can then recognize and acknowledge the pain and not get stuck in it. In fact, you had to find the part of yourself that was willing to betray your marriage vow. Mm. Yeah. You had to let yourself mature into someone who could look at betrayal from the other side. Yes, exactly. And to let go of the expectations and the fear 
of judgment. So the fear of judgment from my community, the fear of judgment from my family, from my church, all of those things about that I was going to leave this marriage, that I was going to divorce. It was, you know, though I was going to be the first in my family, it was going to be a big deal. I ended up having wonderful support for my family and my community, but I had let fear hold me back. And that's what so many of us do in life. Fear sits us, keeps us on the sidelines. It holds us back. It keeps us playing small, so to speak, in life, rather than standing up and saying, this is who I am. This is what I want for myself. And then creating that that course of action or that plan and saying, it's okay, you know, the mistake, okay, at three months I knew. Why did I not get out at three months? Why did I have two children in the marriage? You know, all those questions that I'd start asking myself, and I said, I was learning, I was growing, and now I know why. And now I help other people fast track their scenarios, their um, healing, their grieving, and or their decision-making for their for these great big life transitions. Someone once said to me, "Ah, you know, when we die, they sit you down and show you all the mistakes you made." And my reply was, <laughs> "No, when you die, they should sit you down and show you how everything you thought was a mistake was the perfect thing to do." Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I as a kid, I always knew I was going to be a teacher. In the little book my mom kept, you know, what it's going to be when I grew up, every school year I had to fill it in. It was teacher, 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 nurse, stewardess. I don't know how I knew what that was because I didn't fly until I was 20. And, um, teacher, but teacher was the recurring theme, and nurse, you know, some kind of healer. And I remember I couldn't be a nurse because I couldn't stand the thought of putting, um, giving someone a shot, you know, an injection. I couldn't stand the thought of putting a needle in somebody's arm. So I never pursued that, but I... I, have, I feel like that this has come full circle for me, that I do teach. It's just not in the fourth grade classroom at the chalkboard in the way that I visioned it as a child. Um, so all of my life lessons I am so grateful for. And at the time, you know, I, life sucked, you know. And a lot of times in some of these things, things were dark and things were hard and things were difficult. But I, because I created meaning and purpose from each one. And I think that's the gift. There's always a gift if you're willing, if you're willing to look for it, if you're willing to see it, and if you're willing to open it, there is a gift in all of life's difficulties. And um, creating that meaning and purpose and how I am able now to share with and help others through divorce support or um helping people getting coming up with exit strategy plans to leave a narcissistic abusive relationship or just in coaching in general to figure out life, you know, mindset and balance to live life while they're living. So many people are just holding back and, and not enjoying life and life is here to be lived. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yeah. What do you hope will be the outcome of your having written The Gift of Shift? Tracy and I both 
said when we wrote it that we just hoped it would help someone, anyone, uh, let go of something that's holding them back and have some kind of insight that becomes foresight for the next thing. And we we found that to be true just in the reviews. And one specific one that I'll share that, that a gentleman told me who read the book was that he gave it to his sister. And she told him because she'd never sought help for something that happened to her in high school. And I remember, Susan, you brought up the betrayal. That happened to me, you know, in the early college days. And I remember struggling with the idea of putting it in the book, and yet it was foundational for everything else because I had a happy childhood. That was really my first emotional trauma, but it laid foundation for each and everything beyond that for me. So I put it in the book, but I thought, gosh, that's old. (laughs) It's an old story. But he said that it helped her release something that she'd carried since high school, and she's in her 50s. She never talked about it. She had never gotten help for it. She'd withdrawn a lot socially. And uh, and that, that one testimonial is right there, Susan, so enough for me. That's enough. It is, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. we know that our ability to stand up and be strong came about because we saw other women modeling that. Yes, exactly. I mean, look at this whole Me Too movement, right? It's all That's the power of the personal story, and, and that's why we decided to, to share these personal stories, and some of them were quite vulnerable, and, and certainly not all my stories. There's so many more. We all have a lifetime of stories. I chose The six I chose for me were ones that I thought would speak to people right now based on issues clients come to me with. But, yeah, the, the story and the power of personal story, when we, sometimes we hear our truth in someone else's story, and we haven't acknowledged our truth till we hear it somewhere else. And that was true for me. I remember going to a support group for divorce when I went through divorce, and I was sitting there, even though I chose divorce, I was sitting there listening to people talk. And I remember there was something I'd never acknowledged in my marriage because I'd kept it hidden secret and deep. And somebody said it, and it's like a light bulb went off. I went, oh, my gosh, that's my truth. And I said, I have to face that. I have to to face that, own it, and and choose to move through this. And, and decide what I'm going to do with the feelings I'm having because of it. I can't bury it. And I think that that's what people do, and I think that's the whole Me Too movement. When somebody has the courage, this somebody else says, you know what, I've experienced this. Whatever it is, doesn't have to be a movement. Just something like a friend betrayed me, and it hurt this badly, and I've carried it this long. Some people are scared to say that, and sometimes we give permission I believe by by saying and, and doing just that and sharing our stories, it's so powerful and so important. And we'll never know who all we touch by doing that. Yes, isn't that amazing and magical? Tell everyone how to get in touch with you and how to get a hold of your book. 
Fantastic. So my website is skyviewcoaching.com. I think of everything about looking up in life to get a better perspective. So skyviewcoaching.com. You can find me on Facebook, also skyviewcoaching. Instagram, Twitter, it'll be under my name, and Papayote. And you did say it right, Sarah. And it is, the spelling will be in the show notes, I'm sure. And the book is available from all major online booksellers, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And if you want to support your local bookstore, they can order it from their Ingram Sparks catalog, The Gift of Shift. I could listen to you talk for a long time, but we are limited tonight to a tiny amount of time here on the Blog Talk Show. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't gotten to? Um, just that I hope the listeners will will never forget the power of their choice because that's really what this is about is the power of choice because we forget that we have it or we give it away and that's sometimes what keeps us stuck. So never forget the power of choice. Never forget that we always have the power of choice. And yeah. and it's also important to know that we are always making the best choice that we can at any given moment, even if the very next moment we get different information. That's right. Important point. And that's where we can extend self-compassion. And if we can also believe that about others, that they're making the best or doing their best with whatever emotional ability, regulation, et cetera, they have in the moment, it helps us step out of that judgment of them as well and and not take it personally, not get involved, not get pulled in energetically, but just to step out. It's just, it's a great presupposition. Just presuppose everybody's doing the best they can with what they've got in the moment. And when we can turn that in for ourselves, what an amazing thing. But we always have choice, what we eat, what we believe, what our perspective is, no matter our circumstances. But sometimes we have to let that light in to remember that, and that's why I think we always have to remember to look up. I think I quote Snoopy in one of my chapters, The Gift of Charlie Brown, about there's, anyway, there's always something good to come, but we have to be able to look up. And a lot of times we we're walking through life looking down and um, talking about your the, the collar with the neck and shoulder pain. Let's look up. Let's, let's tilt that neck up a little bit. And oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Good advice. That was such good advice. I used, yeah. to, used to give the apprentices an assignment to find a sacred space in the woods. And I had to give up giving that as an assignment because 99% of them never looked up. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a great space, people. <laughs> hey, hey, it's a lot of stuff up there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look up. Look up. Yes. Oh, well, <clears throat> You have given us such wisdom and such grace and so many wonderful words, but I'm going to ask you to choose a few last words 
and to offer those up to all of the people who have been listening to you tonight. What do you want to leave in their hearts and their minds? Thank you, Susan. I would say really notice your life and notice what may have a grip on your heart. Is there a story from your past that is burdening you that you need to release and move through and let go of the weight of that burden? Is there a story yet to be written that fear is holding you back? What is that story? And can you go ahead and, and, and recognize that? So notice, notice what has a grip on your heart. That's, I think that's my big message, Susan, and I appreciate your allowing me to share it. Thank you so much. I envision that we are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and I want to thank you for the nice tight weave that you have brought here to the strength and the beauty that you are sharing with us. And Sarah Ellen, golly gee whiz, it sure is fun working with you. You are such a smooth operator. (laughs) Thanks for helping me restore herbal medicine as people's medicine. Sarah Ellen, everybody at the Comfrey Conference, and all of you listening, good night and green blessings.